Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a bilingual cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling using the EFT method, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life, business, and retirement coaching support. I provide individual one-on-one session in both French or English, and also do group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550, and our website can be found at lifecoachdenandthelike.com. Today, I'm very excited to have for our first episode of season 13, a special guest and author, Rabbi David Green from Israel. And just like every of my past episode, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Rabbi Green, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you very much. And it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my, my background is that I grew up in Toronto. And at a very young age of uh, 16, I was immersed in, in Hollywood, in the music industry as a composer. And um, I began a, a somewhat of a dangerous pattern at that point where music became everything to me. And I was uh, rushing after success. And uh, in the process, I was uh, somewhat losing myself because everything was about success. And my internal sense of happiness was being overridden by this incredibly strong drive to to achieve this uh, success. And when I was 18, uh, I was asked by an arranger producer that I was working with in Hollywood uh, if I would be willing to accept a Grammy award on his behalf. And I was like, whoa, that's an amazing opportunity. Rub shoulders with all the top musicians and everything that. Um, And what happened was uh, I got a tuxedo. He had a limousine waiting for me and I was heading down the highway in LA and, uh, you know, I, I guess I discovered somewhat of an anxiety uh, issue where I became so scared of going up there and accepting the award and forgetting his name, like doing something really ridiculous because I was so overwhelmed that I was like praying that, you know, I think that's the first time I became religious where I prayed, God, make him not win, you know, <laughs> and and thank God he listened to my prayers and he he, he did not win. But what happened was that was, there was a uh, an event afterwards for all the people who were the VIPs, you know, with with passes and the nominees. And uh, what happened was I went into there was a number of rooms there, but I went to, into a room that, that had all these televisions playing the Grammys because people in the industry wanted to see how their artists performed. So I went in there and I came from somewhat of a, like, a snobby artsy background that, uh, uh, you know, looked down on pop musicians. But there was one musician who was like my idol there. And he was like an incredible jazz musician that broke into the pop market and had a major hit with no sacrifice to the integrity of his creativity. So that was like the ultimate idol. That was I was striving towards. And I looked at him and I had this really scary feeling and I had this insight that, whoa, he looks very depressed. And there I am running after being somebody who looked very depressed, I said to myself, you know what? I need to run after happiness. I need to run after an inner sense of happiness. And then I can use my music to express that inner happiness. And that 
turned me around and took me on a path where I went to college just to go through the college experience. Um, and then I started questioning, you know, what this life is about and felt certain contradictions in my religious identity. And I decided to go to Israel. And when I went to Israel, I started studying in the old Jewish, uh, city of, of Jerusalem and the yeshiva there. And um, I started questioning and asking questions of the rabbis there. And eventually I found my inner self. I discovered my soul. I discovered something that was so much more genuine. I wasn't trying to be artsy. I wasn't following the the religion of being an artsy, creative, unique, have to be crazy in order to be justified. Yes. I rather I rather was uh, finding myself a, in, a, in a very peaceful place. And what happened is my music, as a result of that, blossomed. And I started a jazz band and performed every Saturday night. I was playing on different gigs for different artists. And then I went through this beautiful process that brought me more in touch with myself. Um, and that and that was my path to, a, to happiness. Um, but over the years, then I had to face a, a chemical depression. Um, and uh, through that, I had to learn how to see my spirituality within a very dark place, not just a very light place, not just a happy place, but rather seeing the beauty of life, even though the challenge that I've been given may be very painful. Um, and how do I grow out of that? And I think a lot of the struggle with depression has to do with the way people label their depression. And they're like, oh no, look, I'm, I'm depressed. No. So for me, I welcomed it on on some level even though it's obviously not something i wanted but I, I welcomed that and i grew through it and it, it it became a part of a process of discovering who i was with that as part of the package um so that that's that's a basic introduction to to who i am and <laughs> i obviously have a lot more to talk about but i'll let you lead the way sure so do you think uh rabbi that being in the chosen land um, got you closer to that spiritual enlightenment that you were seeking for versus when you were living in California or when you were going through like uh, the different challenges when it comes to depression. Do you feel that you were more connected to God? I was absolutely more connected to to God. I feel that the land of Israel is like a mic, uh, like a like an amplifier for the soul. And this is people are transformed. Even just going to the Western Wall, which where is where I lived, right, overlooking the Western Wall, I see people who are Jewish and non-Jewish who go there and they start crying because they feel something inside. They just don't know what it is, and the only expression they they have is to cry out of some emotional burst of of sense of spirituality. Uh, I remember once there was a girl who was like eight years old and she started doing cartwheels at the hotel at the, at the Western Wall. You know, people just something comes out. So I, I felt right away that I was home. I was in my home and I wanted to uh, discover my internal home as well. And um, I, I got there with a, 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 about 30 guys showed up at the same time as me. And one of them had done a thesis that there is no God that was his thesis. And so the rabbis uh, were uh, were challenging us, you know, with all these uh, proofs of God and Torah. And, and uh, 
he was like the leader because he kept asking the questions based on his thesis and they kept shooting down one question after another. Like, so we were all witnessing that. So it helped us gain the spiritual strength that, uh, that we were trying to define for, for ourselves. And, uh, I, I find, you know, in terms of happiness, that if a person is living their life on the fence, it's a very unhappy place to be. I teach a whole class about making decisions. And a lot of people have have a very hard time with decisions. I was once counseling a girl uh, in a school I taught uh, in, in Jerusalem where uh, she says, you know, I, I, I'm taking my, a major in general studies. And I said, well, what's general studies? She, she says, well, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and a little bit of this. I said, let me ask you something. When you go to a clothes store and you have to buy something, do you have a hard time deciding what to buy? And she burst out crying because at the roots, she has a fear of decision making. And when a person is living in two worlds, right, you're religious or not religious, you haven't defined for yourself the way you want to live your life. Then what happens is you're constantly pulled. It's like between two parties, you know, you want to meet your 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 true love at a party, but maybe they're at the other party, so you want to go there. But then they're maybe at the first party when you went to the second party and you're torn. And so what do you have? You end up having a miserable night looking for your true love. Where if you stay in one place and decide, you know what, I'm gonna experience this and I'm gonna experience to the fullest. So that's the formula to 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 enjoy yourself and have happiness. So similarly in my life. I felt I had to make a lot of choices so I could live a pure experience of everything that I did. And it was fascinating for me and it, it transformed my life. And I, I uh, continued that for many years. I'm, you know, that's, we're talking 30 years ago or more than that already. And now I'm, I'm married, uh, eight kids, 16 grandkids. And we, we, we live in, a, we live in a community of people who are, who live very similar, you know, values and, uh, you know, thank God it was a, an amazing transformation. And being in Israel, is, it was very much helped, very much helped me because you can study something on an intellectual level, but on an emotional level, if you're not connecting, then it, it's, it's, that's a split. And you, you want your emotional health and, and understanding and view of the world to be consistent with your intellectual one. So I, I found uh, that being in Israel, for me, it, my type of soul, I, I have a book about different types of souls, and we can discuss if you like, but my kind of soul is a type of soul that feels a very natural connection to the land of Israel. So I feel alive when I'm here. When I lived in Toronto for a while after I was religious, I just felt everything was sort of a temporary process of coming back home. And now that I'm here for now 21 years, I'm living my my life. I'm not I'm not living any temporary life. Do you think, Rabbi, that people, when it comes to making decisions, they fear the consequences of their decision? And as you know, they have to basically take accountability of everything that's going to happen, the outcome, whatever it is, either good or bad. And is that the reason why you feel that people cannot make choices or they're too hesitant to make them because of not knowing what result? it will render in their life, either the good part or the bad part. So people are hesitant and they, they just freeze in the moment of making that major decision and they just don't know what path to take. I think that's one of the reasons why it's very difficult for them. Um, but I, I think a, a lot of people are living their life 
um, on autopilot. And uh, they're just following the the drives that are being promoted to them by the media, by beautiful people, uh, uh, especially teaching girls. If they, you know, they didn't feel as pretty as the model on, on the gene commercial, then they they really felt a, a lack of self esteem. Um, there's so many messages that we get, especially in the day of social media, that's pouring down in us and filling our minds that. It's very, very hard to make choices without hearing your inner voice. And so I I encourage a lot of meditation okay. where we clear away all the distractions. Uh, in fact, my my second album is called Empty Spaces, which is a process of uh, a meditation that goes from uh, being in touch with your breathing and with your body, but then moving up into an, a place called Ruach, which is the second level of the soul, which is very much a, a place of of the unknown. It's empty spaces where you feel a, a much higher connection to God through that. Um, and when when you go when you go through that sort of process, um, what happens is you start to hear who you really are. And when you make decisions, if you can carry that with you, you are making a decision that you feel that it's the right choice because you're feeling in touch with the very person who's making the choice. And you're not running after 20,000 things because all these messages that the world is telling you, you've cleared away those messages and you start to hear an inner voice. There's a, there's a, there's actually um, in my first book called a book about you. It's, there's a whole chapter on making choices. Um, but first, what I do is I define three types of personalities um, that we are all gifted with one of those three based on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and what's in the what's called the spirit of Chesed, Gevura, and Tiferet. And each one of those personalities, we're, we are all one of those more than the other. And if you're very much a chesed personality, for example, it's likely that you have a weakness in gvura, which is the opposite. It's, it's one is very much the giving side of who you are, and the other is more a receiving and structure. And so you have people who are very more hippie-ish and very loving and giving. And, and then you have people who are more like an office personality. They're the first one to open up the office, turn the, you know, they got all the keys on their, on their belt. They turn on the coffee machine, they turn on the, you know, the, the 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 printers and everything like they're the kind of personality that's more like compared to the sun is the giver and the moon is the receiver and what i help people do is discover which they want are more predominantly and therefore what kind of weaknesses are likely to be there and rather than beating themselves up for having that weakness, they recognize that that's part of the formula of their type of personality. And therefore the choices they make, consider that. They say, you know what, let's say I wanna start a business. Let's say, you know, uh, I wanna get married. You know, knowing that somebody else can compliment me and fill in certain gaps that I lack because of my type of personality, um, rather than trying to find somebody like me or work only with people like me, you know, if there was an office run by everybody who has the same talent, it wouldn't it wouldn't operate. It would it would be dysfunctional. So the more you know who you are and you, the type of personality you are, then the types of choices you make in life, um, you can trust more. And 
what 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 I think gives a person the most happiness is when they feel they're living the life that they're meant to live. It's not living someone else's life. It's like I know what I should do, and now I'm going to do it, and I feel incredibly invigorated by doing that, which is my internal mission in this world. There, there used to be a time uh, when prophets would would actually tell you who you are and what you're here to achieve. And we don't have those prophets anymore. But the message that they saw was was buried inside of you. And so that message is still there. So what we have to learn to do is say, look, okay, now I know there's a gold mine inside of me. There's this precious jewel inside of me called a soul. And there's this level of the soul, which is called the divine soul that has a personality and a mission in this world. And if I want to dig for to find a gold mine, it's very hard to just go out in my backyard and do that because you don't know if it's there. But if I want to dig for a gold mine where I know it's there, then every step in the digging process is precious and, and appreciated because you're coming closer and closer to that gold mine. So if I know if there's a gold mine inside of me, then I enjoy the process of trying to get to that gold mine as well. And that's what life is about. It's about digging deeper and deeper and getting closer and closer. And every so often we get a glimpse of it and that becomes inspiration. But we don't live life for inspiration. Inspiration is only a tool to help us get a vision of where we're supposed to go. And uh, there, therefore, what I try to help people do is discover who they are and what their mission is in this world and try to help them along a path that enables them to live according to who they truly are. Do you think, Rabbi, that misery is culturally based? And let me explain my question. Um, when you look at different cultures, uh, we'll, we'll go with the Jewish culture where the parents want their kids to either become a doctor or a dentist, a lawyer, an architect, whatever it is. And when the kid is not meant or doesn't feel that this is their career, but they have to do it to make their parents happy or their family or whatever pressure that surrounds them. Do you think that because in other culture as well, it's not just the Jewish culture, but many others that have, again, that mentality of where they want to project their career or their intent career into their uh, kids. And if they don't, uh, I would say not perform, but they don't become what the parents want, then they're either shunned or they're ignored or whatever it is. So do you think that because of this, the kids are forced to do something that they don't want to do? That's a, I agree a hundred percent with that. And I think that is a very, very challenging thing that I've helped many people through. And by defining their personalities more, they say, wait a second, a lawyer personality is not like a chesed personality. That's a different type of person. And, um, and what I've, I have, I've, I know of a person who was a, he was a criminal lawyer in, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, where my, where my wife is from. And, um, he quit his job, moved to Israel and became a baker. <laughs> it happens. He's very successful, but he was successful in being honest with himself by saying, you know what? I'm not the kind of guy who goes to, to, to work with a suit and tie and, and clean clothes. I, I'm the kind of guy who should have, you know, flour all over my pants, you know, that kind right. of like, you know, like, like get dirty. That's my, that's my personality is to, to be there, you know, kneading the dough. And um, I, it's a very sad thing. I, I, I found it a, a lot in Russian culture. Like the Russian culture has a lot of, uh, a lot of expectations of culture. Mm -hmm. 
like I when when I find out as a student is uh, is Russian, I would say to them, "Well, how many instruments do you play?" Right? <laughs> they have to be virtuosos yes. and violin and piano oh, and, and intellectually. I, I, and I said, "You know what? You have to realize that's what your mommy wants." Now, whose life do you want to live? You want to live your mommy's life or do you want to live your own life? And you want to know what? If you were to, if your mother had an understanding of what we're talking about now, the last thing she would want you to be is the doctor. She doesn't want you to be the doctor. She wants you to be happy. There's just a certain level of pride that's attached to certain types of careers. And that pride is shaping the the destination of of the, of somebody she loves and if she only would realize that that's not what you are meant to do she would lay off and become a much much more accepting and encouraging person for for you know to help guide you in life but also i think the kids also have to have the courage rabbi to be able to tell to their parents this is not my calling this is not who i feel or i i want to become just to be able to fulfill whatever pride you're seeking so desperately. So the thing is, is that as long as the kid needs to be able to express themselves, I think this is where they will be on their path to achieving happiness versus misery. Um, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, who do go, they'll go through med school and the day after med school, they'll say, you know what? I don't even want to be a doctor. Um, it, 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 some people have to take a longer path. And uh, I have a, a cousin who was a psych was, was a gastroenterologist because that's what his father was. And then at one point he picked himself up and says, you know what? I want to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> it's a much more pleasant job, you know? Uh, he is fascinating by people. Uh, and it's amazing how much time he invested in a different career before realizing that that's not what he wants. So if you can help people at an earlier stage, you can save them years of a, a, a path which is not their own. Mm -hmm. And that's really, uh, I feel, uh, um, very a tremendous amount of pleasure in my life for having been able to stop people on that path and get them to reevaluate and make choices based on who they really are. And there's an investment to know, know who you are, as I described in my own experience. It takes time. It's not something that you can just flick a switch and then mommy's voice disappears. It's a matter of turning up your own voice. And if you can hear yourself well, then you hear, you know what? I should really do this for my living. And it's not just what I do for a living. It's, it's, it's all kinds of other lifestyle issues that uh, are choices that we have to make based on who we truly are. I agree. So before we conclude the, the podcast, Rabbi, what would you recommend our listeners to focus more on versus all the intricacies and all the social media? Oh, look at him. He lived this way. Why don't I live that way? Or why is he so successful? And I'm so miserable. And so on. So what would you recommend most people, the listeners, to really start adapting a new life right before we conclude this podcast? Um, I think that people have to realize that they are essentially a soul and not a body. We actually have two souls, an animal soul and a divine soul. And when a person recognizes that the essence of who you are is a spiritual being, then you then can start looking for what satisfies the soul. And there's just a very quick example. If somebody ate a, a, an incredible hamburger, I love that hamburger. It was an amazing hamburger, right? So when they're finished eating the hamburger, the experience is gone. 
But let's say while they were eating the hamburger, someone outside was having some sort of attack and they, 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 uh, they had to go and do CPR on them and they saved the life of that person. There's a joy that they will feel 10, 20 years later looking back at what they did because that was a spiritual pleasure of helping another person. And therefore, the more you can design your life around spiritual pleasures, the happier you'll be because those happy those happy experiences are you'll carry with you. So I highly encourage people to get books that you know are basic spiritual uh, books teaching you about who you are and what you are. Mm -hmm. um, my my uh, new book is called Pictures of Your Soul, and it's all about what a soul is and all the types of questions people have about the soul. So that's my book, but there's many books that deal with those kinds of questions. So I encourage people to become more learned and that will give them a basis to be able to follow through on those messages. Beautiful. And actually on the description of this podcast, we will put all your contact information just in case anyone wants to be able to reach out or even listen to your music that describe your own personal experience. And on that note, Rabbi, that is all the time that we have for today's podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us from the Holy Land. And thank you again for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story. Now, we hope that you've all enjoyed today's episode. And I'm also very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season 13 of the Happiness Journey podcast, filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you listened to today. Now, here are some concluding words of wisdom. Forgive the past. It is over. Learn from it and let go. People are constantly changing and growing. Do not cling to a limited, disconnected, negative image of a person in the past. See that person now. Your relationship is always alive and changing. Time moves on for every humans on earth and our physical time here gets shortened every day that passes. However, the essence of a human being is resistant to the passage of time. Our inner lives are eternal which is to say that our spirits remain as youthful and vigorous as when we were full in full bloom. Think of love as a state of grace, not the means to anything, but the alpha and the omega, an end in itself. And finally, it does not matter how much money you have gathered or how much attention that you have received throughout your journey on earth. It is more about the amount of positive vibration that you have radiated in life that really matters. This is how people will remember you. My name is Dr. Dan Amzaleg, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.